Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. I'm dropping my boat on Lake Minnetonka. Bad day. All right, everybody back with me. You good? Made the transition? All right. So I'm dropping it, and here's what happens. I get in, and, and I'm like trying to get the motor started. And I don't know if you've been here in the boat, and I'm trying to get the motor started, I'm trying to pull it, and it's not starting, and in Grace Bay on Lake Minnetonka, the wind was actually blowing out, so I'm going away from the dock, and I just wanted to have like just a little time with God, like just, I'm stressed, bad day, I just want to go out here, just relax, just catch a couple largemouth, and just, just enjoy my time. And the boat continues to drift across the bay, and mine's a little 14-foot boat that I use, and these other boats that are driving by, if you've been on Lake Minnetonka are not a little 14-foot boat. They're a lot larger. And I cannot get it started. I'm trying. I'm trying. So I pick up my phone to call, and my phone is dead. It was a flip phone. That's how old this was. And then I pull the, you know, the, the cord all the way out, and the handle snaps off. The cord coils back in, and I'm sitting here floating across the lake. Well, I was smart. I'm a Boy Scout, Eagle Scout, so I'm prepared. So I have my oars in here, in the boat, ready to go. So it's a rowboat kind of, so it's got the two oar locks that you set the oars in either side. And I start paddling, and I'm going as hard as I can in these white caps to get back. And I'm literally not moving at all. And I'm, like, getting frustrated. And I don't know if you get frustrated. Like, your adrenaline just starts rushing, like, ah. And so I'm, like, paddling super hard to the point where at the exact same time, both of my oarlocks must have been so brittle, they break and explode. And so I'm sitting here just, I'm like, oh my gosh, God, I just wanted to spend time with you. Why are you allowing this stuff to happen? And so literally I grab, I go back and I'm thinking, what do I do? Do I lean over the side and do I like go like this? Do I take a bit, you know, my oars are huge. And, and I'm like going, I don't know what to do. And then to make it worse, I look in the back and I just replaced two rivets on the back of the boat and there's water coming in the rivets. Like, it can't get any worse than this, right? And so I, I'm going, I look like one of the dudes in Italy in a gondola, like just, I got the thing, and I'm, I'm like doing this on either side. I'm spinning in circles, looking like a fool. I, finally, after an hour, I just give. And I had kind of just a little bit of a yelling match with God, like, Lord, why are you allowing this stuff to happen to me? I don't get it. And I look behind me, and there's this huge, huge Malibu boat, just beautiful boat coming right by me with like a group of like 10 or 12 people on it. And I'm like, hey, is there any way you can help me? And they're like, sure, what do you need? And they're just partying and, and having fun. I'm like, can you tow me to the landing? And so they throw back. It, it just looked hilarious. I wish somebody could have taken the picture. You know, this like ski tow rope that I'm holding on towards the front of my boat. It's like this. I'm holding on like this. <laughs> And the white caps from this Malibu are like, literally, you could have like surfed in it. And finally, they're they're like, we're going to turn, we'll let you go, and then you can go into the shore. So I hook up the boat, bring it home, and I was like, that was not what I expected at all. How many have been there before? You're like, I just just want a peaceful day. Just going to go to my nice little Starbucks and get a nice little cappuccino. And then the person you don't want to see shows up. Or... Or the cappuccino burns your mouth. Or, or you just have those moments. And it's like, we all have those moments. You're not special with those moments. We all have them, okay? Every single one of us, even when we go back to biblical times, they had this. So let me just recap here for you. Lamentations 1 and 2, we're going through kind of a verse by verse. 
Lamentations 1 and 2, Jeremiah talks about how Jerusalem was going to be destroyed if they did not turn their ways, if they didn't start serving God. Well, they were destroyed. Jeremiah Jeremiah wrote his book, and then he started this lamentation. It's five chapters. If you missed it, it's all right. I'll get you on the same page. Chapter 1 is 22 verses. Chapter 2 is 22 verses. Each verse is a poem. It's an acrostic with the letters of the Hebrew alphabet in each one. Then you get into chapter 3, and what's happened to this point is Jerusalem now is destroyed. The Israelites, the tribe of Judah, they are all now underneath the captivity of King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. Here they are because they did not serve God. And God is trying to get their hearts back. So at the first two chapters, it looks like a real mean, cruel God allowing all this to happen. And Jeremiah talks about it, and he talks about what they're going through. You get to chapter 3, and I'm not doing a verse-by-verse with chapter 3 with you this morning, because chapter 3 is really, really long, and it's 66 verses. Why is it 66? Think about that. If chapter 1 was 22, chapter 2 was 22 verses, now we get to chapter 3, and it's 66 verses. Same thing, and it's an acrostic. Okay, so every, every three lines now in chapter 3 starts with the same letter. It goes over and over and over all the way through. Now, what's really cool, if you want to get really nerdy with this, and I'm not going to get too geeked out with you on this, every, so the first verse in Lamentations chapter 3 and the last verse in Lamentations 3 are parallel verses. Okay, The second verse in Lamentations 3 and the second to last verse are parallel verses all the way through. It's called a chiasm. Everybody say chiasm. Chiasm. It's just a Hebrew way of a literary structure that they would put things together. And so not only is it a poem, not only was this thought out, not only is it an acrostic, but now every single first and last, the second, second to last, the third, third to last, all match up in parallel all the way together. So just think about the thought process by the power of the Holy Spirit that went into this structure. This is a powerful powerful book that I believe can transform us so that when you're having a bad day, you don't have to take it into your own account and try and fix it. You can rely on him instead. That's what God is teaching me. Anybody else? Amen. God teaching you that? Okay. Every day he's been teaching me that. So I love this structure. So the first two chapters, they go from a focus on Jerusalem and the destruction. And now Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations, he kind of turns it. And so he turns it internally. He starts, rather than looking at the things to the outside, he turns and he focuses on the internal. He focuses on what's happening in his heart. And I think often, more often than not, in the last year and a half, anybody met anybody that's been offended or (laughs) looked at external circumstances rather than turning and going, where's my heart at? Am I being kind? Am Am I being a Christ follower? Is what I'm doing matching what God wants me to match? And We're going to get it wrong. We're not going to do it right. That's the power of grace. And so Jeremiah takes this inward focus. He turns inside internally for us to see something super cool here. This chapter, claim statement, is one of the greatest examples in all of Scripture of what it means to have a relationship with God. To me, there's there's probably none better than this chapter right here. This chapter, chapter 3, out of five chapters in Lamentations, is smack dab in the middle of this book. Okay, now, can I get really geeky with you just for a little bit more? Is that okay? Don't you like when I get geeky? I love it. All right? Okay? I don't even have a Hawaiian shirt and I'm geeky. And so here's the deal. You have, in chapter 3, the last verse and the first verse parallel together all the way back. 
Do you know the entire book of Lamentations does that? All the way through? And so whoever wrote this with a Hebrew mindset, Jeremiah, at the beginning, Lamentations 1, at the end of Lamentations 5, it all parallels back to the middle. So that's basically the climax of a Hebrew story. Is right in the middle. That's the point that they're trying to get across. So Hebrews 3 is the crux of the entire book of Lamentations. Because right here, Jeremiah wants you to see what the entire point of this whole book is about. So just Google it sometime if you want to learn more. Chiasm, Lamentations. It's incredible. All right, I could, I could spend three weeks on how it unravels. I won't bore you to death with that. But this right here, the middle section, in fact, the middle part of chapter 3, you got all 66 verses, right smack dab in the middle of it, is found hope. So he's got this destruction, everything happening before here, everything happening after, right in the middle of the book, and everything that he's lamenting, everything that he feels, is hope. And so in the middle of disparity, there's hope. It's the most life-giving part of the entire book. This is like, man, if you want to focus or memorize something in Lamentations, a few of the scriptures I'm going to share this morning out of Lamentations 3 are ones to grasp onto and hold onto. If you're with me, say yeah. Okay, so in the last year, in the last year, I have seen within our church a lot of things, within our community, okay? I've seen adultery. I've seen people get drunk. I've seen drug addiction. I've seen domestic abuse. I've seen suicide. I've seen death of a teen from, from sickness. I've seen families broken. I've seen leaders quit in the last year. I've seen anxiety at a level I've never seen before. I've seen drug addiction, all of these things. And I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff too that's happened outside of our church as well. That's just in our church. And we're not a huge church. So just imagine what that looks like for our community. You know what that shows us? It doesn't go, well, we just need to focus on our problems and everything is so bad and blah, blah, blah. No, we're focused on the wrong thing. We should be focused on his grace and Jesus alone. Amen? You with me this morning? You awake? You good? I'm giving you a lot here, so buckle in. If you're good, say yeah. Come on. Yeah, all right. So here's the deal. I believe that God wants healing for us. I believe God wants healing for you. And I'm not talking physical healing. He can do that. But I think God wants an inward healing for you. Okay? I believe God wants an inward healing for our community. He's there all the time. And there's hope offered all the time. So I just want to give you three practical things that I find in these scriptures. There could be hundreds. These are three that I believe are for us today. So number one is this. Biblical joy is filled with mercy. Biblical joy. It's filled. You want to find joy again? It's not in dumping your boat in Lake Minnetonka and trying it. Okay? That obviously did not go very well. Biblical joy, I can't find it in my own strength. I have to find it in His. That's where the mercy comes in. The way I define it, grace is getting what we don't deserve. Mercy we're going to focus on is this. Mercy is not getting what I do deserve. Okay, Every one of us has fallen short. Okay, Maybe it's been a few minutes. I don't know. We've all fallen short. We all deserve death for everything that we've done, even in the last week. But God says... I want to save them. And the only way he can do that isn't on your strength, but his. That's the basic gospel message of Jesus. Nothing you and I can do can save us. Only he can, and it's through his mercy, because we are not getting what we deserve. All of our sins, no matter how big or how how small we think they are, deserve the penalty of death. And Jesus stepped in so that we don't get that. So when God looks at you, and when God looks at me, he doesn't see our fleshly self, he sees the redeemed one. Thank you, Jesus, right? Yeah, amen. Lamentations chapter 3, 
verses 22 and 23, it says this. This is the NIV version. It says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not what? We're not consumed. Okay? For his compassions never fail. Well, in my life they do. No! They never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Maybe you recognize him from this scripture right here. Maybe you recognize some of the worship music we even sang this morning that's part of this verse right here. His compassions never fail. New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So right in the middle of Jeremiah's lamenting, he just drops this like hope bomb. Hey, you know what? Though God sent you, the Israelites, to captivity for 70 years, he hasn't given up on you. Yeah, you're going to have to walk through some crud. But God hasn't given up. He hasn't forsaken you. His compassions are new every day. But, 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 you got to remember this. The Jews, now that they're under the captivity of Nebuchadnezzar and, and Babylon at that time, they can't worship God the way they want. They can't do their appointed festivals the way they're supposed to. And yet God is compassionate. Man, God of grace and God of mercy. Now, the NIV here uses compassion. Okay? I'm not a big King James version, but here I am. King James version, I love it, actually uses the word mercy. And so, a little nerdy on you for a moment. The Hebrew word for mercy is hesed, or hesed, and that literally means both mercy and compassion. So, they, they both have it right. But mercy in the scripture here, it's really cool when you look at all the word pictures that Jeremiah uses in these two verses. Here's what he's trying to get us to understand. Unless we dig into it, we can't see it just for face value, unfortunately. But what he's talking about is he's talking about how a pregnant mother has compassion on a child that's yet not born. It's, it's a talking about a pregnant mom who is thinking about the person I haven't quite met yet that's in the womb. And so here's what I want you to think about. Has that child in the womb had an opportunity to yet sin? Has that child in the womb had a, yet an opportunity to come into the world and mess things up yet? And so God has compassion looking at us as if we're redeemed because of Jesus. I need you to see that this morning, okay? Mercy, every morning. Every morning, the night finally ends. That's what mercy is. Mercy is, it brings a new day after the night is finally finished. Mercy, it brings new provision every day. They didn't know where they were going to get their food source from. They didn't know how it was going to go. If they were going to be enslaved, they didn't know how they were going to be treated under this, you know, New leadership that was not of their past, not of their upbringing. They had no idea. Mercy, it brings the new forgiveness of sins every day. Mercy, it brings new strengths for temptation, for duties that we have in life, and the trials that we face. That's what mercy is. And I love that word picture that he uses. His mercy never fails. Say it with me. Your mercy never fails. I hope you believe that. That's a hard thing to swallow, that his mercy never fails. But Pastor Chris, you don't know how much I, I've fallen. You, you don't know the, the temptation I've gotten into. You, you don't know my whole story, Pastor Chris. I, I'm, I'm stuck in this thing that I, I need help with and I can't get out of, so, so God probably d- doesn't love me. Or what, what, if I, what if I don't, <clears throat> ready for this one? What if I don't ask God to forgive me for my sin and then I die? Do I go to hell or heaven? How many ever thought that? Don't raise your hand. His mercy is new all the time. He's a compassionate God. He doesn't see you for your flesh. He sees you 
perfect because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? That's good news this morning, all right? Number two, here we go. Joy is found in his victory, not yours. What? Joy is found in his victory, not yours. I'm a Tom Brady fan, okay? I love watching Tom Brady play. They're my team for the year, all right? And last yesterday, they played. They played Tom Brady for like three plays. He looked great. They got him off. I mean, they had to wheel him out, but it was good, all right? So I enjoyed it for a few times. It was great. But I can tell you this. It's not about him winning the Super Bowl again or anything like that that makes him a better man than anybody else. It's not about what you do or what you don't do. In fact, I think what's happened is we start focusing our joy on whether we're victorious or not rather than focusing on his victory. I'll play this out. Jeremiah, you ready for this? Jeremiah failed. Jeremiah was a failure. You look at Jeremiah chapter 1 through chapter 51 of his book that his friend Baruch scribed for him, and then Baruch tacked on chapter 52 in the book of Jeremiah. Those first 51 verses, especially the first chapter, not verses, chapters. Here's what happened. Jeremiah was called by God at the age of 12 years He's called, and God said, you're to go. You're the one that's to talk to the Israelites. You're the one that, you're, you're the appointed one to go and tell them if they don't turn their hearts back and they stop worshiping all this crazy stuff, that bad things are going to happen. Now, was Jeremiah obedient? He did. He went. He went, and he did exactly what God had called him to do, 100%. He didn't miss it at all. In fact, he ended up in prison. He was, he was beaten. He was thrown into a well. All this stuff happened, but he still was faithful to God. Then what happens? Well, Jeremiah didn't even want to write about it. Baruch added it at the end of Jeremiah. Remember Jeremiah chapter 51? It says the words of Jeremiah end here. Jeremiah chapter 52, Baruch, I believe, tacks on this last chapter that's about the fall of Jerusalem. Why didn't Jeremiah write it? He felt like he failed. He did what God wanted to, but it didn't end victorious like he thought it would. And so he writes lamentations because he's broken. He's going, God, I did everything. Look at your people and your hand and your outstretched your, your your heart, all of this. Didn't go the way Jeremiah thought. And if his joy was defined by his victory, not God's victory, then he would have been depressed forever. But he's able to talk about hope in the middle of this. If you're catching my drift, say yeah. You with me? All right, all right. No, we're going heavy today, okay? No, we're going heavy. One of the things that is really difficult many, many times is I'll get pastors that will call me. And they will be like, Pastor Chris, how many are you running? I'm like, what? what are you asking? They go, how many people do you have on Sunday morning? I go, I don't know. Okay, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach as if it's a million every time. I'm, I'm going to do what God calls me to do. I don't care if there's one person here or 300. I don't care. And, and they say, well, I'm running this many, and this is what I'm doing, and I'm, run, I'm running this many, and I'm running this many, and, and this. We have planted two churches. Church, I don't know about if you know this. We have invested in over 600 church plants. Our church has. Okay? That's incredible for a church our size to do that. Bob and Christy Headley, who planted Revive Church in Forest Lake, they're doing great. Now, I'm not saying they're doing great because they got numbers. All right? Yeah, that helps. 
But when I call Bob and Christy and I check in on them because I'm coaching them, I'm mentoring, I'm mentoring who used to mentor me, and I'm talking to him and I'm going, how are you doing? And he goes, oh, oh well, we're, we got about this many people and, and th- you know, this many services. I said, no, 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 that's not what I mean. How's your marriage? Oh, not one time in the history of this church have I called another pastor and been like, how many are you running? Because if the joy is found in my victory, there's two things that happen when you have a smaller church or a bigger church as a pastor. Just a little inside secret to pastors here. Okay, because pastors, numbers matter, so we count every person that's there and every mouse that's in the building, right? What happens, though, is if you don't feel like you're hitting how many people you want to see in your church, you feel like a loser and you get depressed, or if you have more than you think, you get arrogant, you write a book. Okay? There is no in-between. Welcome, little secret sauce on the pastoral side here, thanks, okay? So what if our joy is not defined in our victory but in his? What if, it's, what if I do everything God has called me to do and I'm obedient just like Jeremiah was? Is it going to go exactly the way I want to? No! I did door-to-door sales. Worst job ever, okay? Like literally, I would not wish this on my worst enemy. Hated door-to-door sales. But dang, I made good money during college doing door-to-door sales. But we would go and the owner would give us how to handle objections. Man, he brainwashed us. He's like, agree, isolate, handle, reclose. Agree, isolate, handle, reclose. That's like a wrap in my head the rest of my life, all right? Agree, isolate, handle, reclose. He's like, if you get an objection when you go door-to-door sailing, selling, he goes, you do this and you'll sell every time. He was one of those over-optimist people. You ever met those? Like, they're just they're kind of full of themselves, you know? They're not full of joys, joy of the Lord. They're full of their own joy, and that only lasts depending on how they last. And, and I remember going, I have done every single one of your objection handling things, agree, isolate, handle, reclose, and it hasn't gone the way I want every time. Well, then you're not doing it right. No, it's not that. It's that we can't control the fruit, but we can control the faith. Okay? We, we can't, you and I are not called to be the ones that make fruit, but we're faithful and we get to see the fruit, and that's whatever God wants to produce. So what does that mean? What does a successful pastor look like? What does a successful father look like or husband? One that's obedient. That's it. Joy comes in his victory, not my own. Let's read here. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 24 through 26. It's Jeremiah talking. He says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait on him. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him. The one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Think about this. Put yourself in their perspective and their context here you are going i don't think so jeremiah like dude we're here now we're stuck we're underneath this captivity and you're telling us to wait quietly for the salvation of the lord what they didn't know is it was coming 70 years later jeremiah is talking and he doesn't realize what he's writing means they have to be in that captivity for 70 years no thank you but yet hope hope is on the way you see if our victories become the definition of our joy, we miss the definition of Christianity. Because it's His victory that we celebrate. God, forgive us when the joy that's in you becomes something we do or don't do, or something we become or not become, or even when we sin or we don't sin. We're defined by His victory, not our own. Can I hear a good amen, somebody? Number three. Everybody said number three. The last one. Here you go. Ready? Last one. 
This is good stuff, by the way. I just want you to know that, all right? This is really good preaching this morning. So, all right? Just want you to know that. Number three, joy is not found in positive thinking, but in God alone. Okay? I got one amen. We need a few more. It's not found. Well, Pastor Chris, I, I just, I went to that Psycho Babble Festival and it was just awesome. And if you just think really positive thoughts, it's going to be great. Now, I'm not dissing thinking positive or self-confidence, any of that stuff. It's not bad. But when we focus on that and we go, well, if I do these things to find my joy, if I, if I, if I have this formula set up, then what we're doing is we're, it's like a works mentality. Well, I have to so that I can receive from God. Baloney. It's a realization that Jesus plus nothing literally equals everything. Okay? Shared that before. It's the greatest equation. I'm married to a math teacher. I know there's other math teachers that you can ask them about that equation. It's, it's the best one there is. All right? That's trigonometry. That's calculus. And that's algebra and geometry all wrapped up into one. Right there. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. A squared plus B squared equals C squared too, I think. I don't know. I'm not saying positive thinking is wrong, okay? It is good to think and to speak affirmations. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I want you to see is I think what happens sometimes is we get into a dark spot where, where maybe we doubt or we get into a dark spot. Maybe we fall. We get into a dark spot. Maybe something happens and, and we feel like I can no longer receive God's joy. Or we go, well, Pastor Chris, you don't know my closet sins. Or, Pastor Chris, you don't know X, Y, Z, and so therefore I can't receive from God. Was it ever based on you in the first place? Now, how many of you know the answers? No, but it's really hard to say that. That's all of us. Come on. Because, why? Because we're like, well, I need to do something to earn it. I gotta be, I gotta have positive thinking. I, I want the joy of the Lord, so I gotta look joyful. But what if it's not about my joy, it's about holding on to his when I don't have any? Think about Jeremiah. Here he is. He, he, he went through all this stuff. He was thrown into the well, all of this. But here's what I want you to catch. He did not stay in that dark and desperate place. Okay, He didn't stay there. But I want you to catch something that's really important this morning. He would have never denied not being there. Because it's those times in life that will form us into who we're called to be. It's walking through those. You know, I've shared before, the fruit doesn't grow on the mountaintop, it grows where? In the valley. Okay, so it's in those moments that God is pruning us. He's challenging us to become who we are. I believe that God had a plan for the Jewish people. I really do. I believe God sent them there. I shared this the last couple weeks. I want to share this again. Because I think sometimes we look at the God in the Old Testament as a mean, cruel God. Why would God send the Israelites into captivity if He loved them? Because he loved them, that he did it. Because he wanted their hearts back. Just as I believe there was hope for the Jewish people then, I believe there's hope for us now, today. Okay, I firmly believe that. God had a plan for the Jewish people then. He's got a plan for you now. Okay, They went through this depressive state. They went through this horrible time. God still had joy for them then. And I believe God still has joy for us now. So how do we find it? We look to Him. That, that's simple. I mean, we could be done with the whole series right now. That's it. How do we find joy? Well, it's in Him. It's in Him. It's that simple. And I don't know about you, but I like simple. I like simple. I love it. 
Lamentations chapter 3, verse 31 through 33. It says, for no one, I need you to catch this, no one, that, talking about you, okay? Yes, he's talking about the Israelites here, but I need you to see it's about everybody. No one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. He doesn't. Well, Pastor Chris, didn't you just say he allowed the Israelites to go through that? Yeah, he did. Was it his will? No, I don't believe it was. But they weren't following. And Jesus, God so wanted their hearts back. That we'll walk through stuff that maybe we don't want to walk through. And when we do, we have a choice to make. We can turn back to him. We can get weary and tired and broken. That's fine for a time. But then the time comes where, you know what? Accept that. Hey, I've been there. Now I need to move on. I need to cling on to him. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Okay. Here's what I want to say. This last part of here, it says, For he does not willingly bring affliction or, affliction or grief to anyone. The first part of that verse No one is cast off by the Lord forever. You might feel cast off by him right now. I don't know where you're at here this morning. Maybe you're like, I'm good. Never dealt with any problems in my life. But maybe you are the one that feels cast off by the Lord. Like you feel forgot about. You've been trying to talk to him, have prayer life, and you're like, I'm just not hearing from you, God. I'm, I'm wrestling to even know what you're trying to say to me right now. And you're leaning in, you're reading the word. You're praying, you're talking to people, you're, you're doing all the right things, and you're going, Lord, where are you? Where are you? In the midst of whatever you're dealing with. This first part, no one is cast off by the Lord forever. No one. No one. So let me just give you some encouragement this morning. Don't be in a hurry. Don't, don't expect to be delivered out of your trouble the first time you begin to cry out to God. Lord, why didn't you answer my prayer? I've cried out for five minutes. Or it could be, God, I've been crying out to you for five years. Don't give up. No one is cast out forever. He is a good God worth waiting on. There's a few times when the only thing a sufferer can do is wait on him. Because you tried everything else. You tried the motor. You tried the lake. You tried the bay. You tried the largemouth bass fishing. You tried the oarlocks. You tried to do it on your own string. You tried your flip phone. Made nothing working. And the only thing you got left is to rely on him. Waiting is good. Because God is worth waiting for. He's worth it. He's worth it. And if you don't think he's worth it, God has put a price tag on your value when he sent his son on that cross. For those that know the message, we know that. For those that have never received that, just receive that today. Well, I don't know where my value comes. It comes from what he did, what he was willing to do for you and I. I'll give you one last verse here and we'll close. Lamentations, verse 40 here in chapter 3. Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Aren't those some good verses in Lamentations? We don't read Lamentations. It scares us. Ah, it's all depressive and lamenting. purpose of it, right smack dab in the middle here in chapter 3, is hope. 
where we don't forget about our lamenting, but we look to the one who can deliver us from it. We wait on him. We wait on him. Here's a realization I had with this. And I love the story of Jeremiah. I, I, I studied Jeremiah in college a lot. I, I read through his book so many times. And, and just I enjoy his story and who he is as a, as a person. I, I wish, like, if, when I get to heaven someday, he's who I want to meet first. Okay? Well, don't you want to meet Jesus? Well, yeah. Don't, you know, but I want to I wanna have a conversation with Jeremiah. I want to grab a 1919 root beer with, with Jeremiah across the table. Okay? Chat and have some Red Savoy pizza. And him and I are going to talk, and we're, going to, we're just going to unload, because I want to say, this, this is my question for Jeremiah. He wrote all this, but he didn't live to the point of seeing when they were delivered from the hand of King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was passed by then too, but he didn't get to see it. Yet he was faithful, even in the midst of his storm. He never got to see the end of his storm. you realize that? He was faithful to the end of his life even though it didn't go the way he wanted. Why? Because God was worth waiting for. I'm going to put the church number on the screen, and you're always welcome to text yes if today is the day you want to commit to Jesus. But let me just pray for you. God, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for whatever we've done this week or this past. And we just lay it at your altar. Any guilt or any shame or Maybe we feel stuck in in a pit like Jeremiah was. Or maybe we feel like we've done everything right like Jeremiah did. And yet we don't see what we want to see. We don't see the fruit of what we thought our faith would bring. Forgive us of that, Lord. Because you're the one that creates fruit. Lord, it's you who brings the victory. It's you who brings the joy, the genuine joy. And so let me rely on your truth this morning. Let me allow on your joy. Holy Spirit, just have your way in the hearts of every person here. Just feel your peace this morning. And I believe there's hearts in here, including mine, that just need your peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, I pray that we'd remember these verses of hope. You don't cast off anyone forever. Lord, it's by your compassion and your mercy. You view us, Lord, compassion as a pregnant mom views the the unborn child. You see us perfect because of Jesus. And we're grateful for that this morning. So Lord, lead us in this week to come. Keep us on your path, even when it doesn't look the way we want. We love you this morning, Jesus. We give you this time together. Bless every family. Bless every visitor. Bless every person that's watching online. Would you just fill them with your spirit? Lord, anyone that needs to commit to you today, they wouldn't leave here until they do that. And just give us your joy. Not in our victory, but in yours. And that victory was finished on the cross. We're grateful for it today. For those here that doubt this morning, Lord, one of the prayers in the New Testament is I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. For those this morning that need to hear that, would you give them that this morning? Be with us in this week to come, Lord. We lift up this vacation Bible school that's happening. We ask that, that every child comes to know you. For every child that does know you, 
would strengthen their relationship with God with you this week as we have a blast focusing on our young people in this community. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.